Good morning and welcome to yet another abbreviated, shortened, or whatever you want to call it, session of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. Yep, you guessed it, Minnesota Twins baseball again. They're in Detroit, so they start early, 11.30 this morning for the pregame. So I will attempt to talk very fast. How's that, Tom? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to shoot it right over to you for the mailbag. Okay. Uh, My June KROC uh, political column uh, has been completed. And I forwarded it to Andrew for his technological skills to perhaps get it placed on KROCnews.com maybe Saturday as, as we usually try. And I'll just say uh, I do cover some political issues uh, domestically and the international scene. Ukraine-Russia war continues. Uh, some of the allies are getting disenchanted with the war and Someone like Henry Kissinger, the 98-year-old foreign policy guru for the Nixon administration, who got the peace uh, settlement with uh, communist North Vietnam uh, in the Nixon years, uh, he is uh, arguing how this war has to be ended for Ukraine's good uh, to continue. It will be destructive. And I, I might get to some of that if we get to Ukraine today. If not, we'll get to Ukraine. Uh, I will say uh, this, Tom. Time, huh? I thought Kissinger was 98 years old in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. He never changed. He always looked a lot older than he really was because I think back during the Nixon administration when he was the genius diplomat, uh, he looked much older than he actually was then. Right. And that he, that he out, Lived Nixon. I still can't get over Nixon. Always looked younger then. Yeah. Uh, well, that's because I eat kosher foods and that <laughs> had <to> survive. <laughs> the Babylon Bee satire. President Biden says guns should not be in the hands of the mentally unstable, uh, but he has nukes. <laughs> that's the Babylon Bee had that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then uh, Wayne, uh, the Sussman uh, jury trial where he was found innocent. I've got more on that, a lot more detail on that for another program. But the Sussman uh, uh, acquittal was just a phony, a, a biased judge, a biased jury. Attorney General Durham was polite, uh, saying, well, we thank the jury for their conclusion but he's not done yet he's um he's indicted some other people and the involvement and he's not quitting but i don't know why he why republicans can't pick better judges and i don't know why he can't appeal this to a higher court and then when wayne uh, wonders about these things too and and says how the fbi and cia wiretapped the candidate trump and president trump and uh, Obama and, and Biden were involved in it. They weren't unaware. And, um, I would add that uh, uh, Attorney General Barr, President Trump's Attorney General, has recently said what Hillary did in all this, and she skated again in this jury verdict, uh, is in fact sedition, a step below treason, and he's got more to say about that. But anyway, Durham isn't quitting yet. And uh, uh, Howard's concerned, uh, evidently, uh, uh, there's some colleges that are uh, uh, lowering the academic bar for black students so they can achieve, and 
Howard said that diminishes those blacks that are successful and that are good students. Nobody believes then that they can compete as equals, and they don't believe it either when they hear these things, and uh, divides students along racial grounds, and it enhances uh, stereotypes, and he just thinks it's unfair to blacks and to educational achievement, some of the uh, lowering of the academic bar in some colleges. Uh, uh, and and then... Uh, 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 not uh, not to be not to be said this a study says Catholic priest exorcists are worked overworked because of the demonic activity out there today. The Pope endorses what they do, and uh, <laughs> and and it said uh, all this is here. So KLS says, yeah. Uh, ban Pelosi from communion, but keep her eligible for an exorcist. She might need it, and ditto for the Bidens. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so is not to be also that uh, um, Tom, or is that? Not to be is true news, actual okay, news. Okay, I wanted to clarify that. And uh, thank you for doing that. And, and uh, yeah, so they had, uh, yeah, they had an article on. Uh, Pelosi's being banned and, and on exorcism in the Catholic Church, and so KLS uh, found humor in that. Say banner from communion, all right. And by the way, more Catholic bishops have endorsed uh, that ban uh, across the nation. But she said, keep her eligible for exorcism. She might need it. So that's the mailbag. <laughs> oh, it's a doozy. Okay. Well, we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back because we have very little time today. <laughs> we'll continue with Rochester today in a moment with Tom Ostrom on Rochester's News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back to the speed-reading version of Rochester today. It was baseball at 1130, so we got to keep things hopping and cram as much stuff into this little segment of time <laughs> as we can. So, Tom, uh, I don't know if you have seen the reports on this, but... This could turn into the campaign issue of all campaign issues, not just in Minnesota, uh, but other parts of this country, especially in the Midwest. After what they experienced last summer in California and then also in Texas and in Texas the previous winter, the uh, group that oversees the electric power grid for the Midwest, and I wish I could remember the acronym, but I can't right now, is warning that the Midwest, including Minnesota, is at uh, risk this summer if it gets to be scorching hot, which some forecasters are predicting when we get to July, we could have rolling blackouts because of the inability of the power grid to handle what is out there. And this is because of the rapid shift to wind and solar energy and the rapid decommissioning of coal-fired power plants throughout the region. It's happening in other parts of the country as well, but I was a bit surprised to see it uh, here in the Midwest. But the economics of running the coal-fired plants have gone south because the amount of federal subsidies that's directed towards the quote-unquote green energy sources has resulted in a commitment by many utilities to install a great deal of this uh, renewable energy sources, and many of their client communities have committed to 
purchasing large amounts or large blocks of power from wind and solar. But you can't run a coal plant part-time. Either the coal plant's on or it's not. So the economics of operating a coal plant when people are preferring during non-peak times to buy their energy from the renewable sources has made it impossible to keep operating these coal-fired plants. So they're just shutting down all over the place, but they're not replacing the peak capacity, which is the power that can ramp up by flipping a switch on a moment's notice when the air conditioners are all humming. Well, if you run into a condition on a cloudy day and it's really muggy and it's 90 degrees and everybody's got the air conditioners on, you don't have enough solar to make up for the peak demand and you don't have enough natural gas generators out there or coal-fired generators out there. Uh, and there's no place else to buy the electricity in the market because it's happening everywhere. You got to start having blackouts to manage the grid. My gosh, people are going to scream bloody murder if that actually occurs this summer. And the these you, what's frustrating is the policymakers on this were warned years ago that this could happen. That you're not ready. We don't have the batteries. The idea would be that you would have these high capacity batteries. You'd be able to store the renewable energy sources and use that for your peak demand. Well, guess what? The batteries don't exist yet, not at least in a manage, not in a feasible manner. Um, so it's going to be a a little bit touch and go this summer. I think I'm hope I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it doesn't happen because it would be, it would happen on the worst kind of weather, the hot, really hot, steamy weather, and people would be left without cooling, and uh, people who require electricity for their medical purposes to run ventilators or oxygen machines. Um, I think there might be a run on emergency generators. Well, that's frightening. And there again, that's the results of the green uh, revolution. And uh, how do you get batteries? And batteries can be dangerous. And batteries cost a lot of money to lot. acquire and run. And the only good thing that in what you said is the hot weather will help farmers get started with their planting and later harvesting, but they're paying a fortune for energy too, whether diesel fuel or uh, other energy sources to, to for fertilizer, and, and so their costs are going up too. But uh, everything's interconnected, and, it, and it's, it gets back down, I think, to woke policies. They're just counterproductive. Well, you hear a lot of pundits or even analysts and experts um saying that this was going to be inevitable considering the way these policies were laid out and the aggressiveness of the rollout of the green energy without the battery technology to back it up. The battery technology is the key to this. If you could have big, huge battery farms that would store the energy produced during the day or during windy times and use that during peak demand times, this would not be an issue. But guess what? They haven't really come up with a way to do that yet. So it was all built upon hopes and wishes. And well, uh, That shows how vulnerable the battery-operated uh, auto vehicles will be, too, uh, if they ever get going. How do you get them charged? Where do you go to do it? How much does it cost? And uh, how much do cars cost them? Yeah, a lot of unknowns. Well, that's a good point, too, in the, the battery-powered vehicles. In California, when they had the rolling blackouts where – they, on a per capita basis, have a lot more of these electric cars. They were running into problems that people weren't having an inability to charge their vehicles and get where they needed to go because they were going through rolling blackouts last year. Mm. Wow. It's a little frustrating when you 
when the policymakers we have ignore some expert advice on this thing and jump forward and uh, move ahead without the technology. I wish the battery technology was here today. I I think it will transform our country when they finally figure out a way to do this and have the resources to do it. But it's not here yet. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I'm just going to cover one Minnesota item um, uh, from a a court filing. This is from Alpha News, uh, Anthony Gakowski. From a court filing, uh, it's been discovered that when uh, Derek Chauvin, the former minister, uh, Minneapolis police officer, was uh, uh, charged with and found guilty of um, mishandling the George Floyd uh, arrest uh, and uh, and his death, uh, his three colleagues uh, were charged with aiding and abetting. And we know from a court filing that four prosecutors uh, in the uh, in the office opposed charging Chauvin's partners and said uh, uh, they were put in an untenable position. You know, you can't uh, uh, you can't disregard the orders of a superior officer without getting in serious trouble in the police uh, hierarchy. And, and, and so why are they held accountable for aiding and abetting? And uh, four prosecutors uh, opposed charging them. But uh, they were overruled by by the office and and by the judicial proceedings. And one of the people that was against it was Amy Swayze, and she was one of the office's top, top prosecutors of police malpractice. But she sympathized with these officers. Plus, she was uh, accosted evidently and and uh, sexual uh, uh, excesses by. Uh, County Attorney Mike Freeman, so he removed her from the case, and then he evidently aggressed upon her and frightened her, so she's in court now suing him. So the the Office of County Attorney in Minneapolis uh, is, uh, let's say, uh, having problematic issues, but it was interesting that four prosecutors in the many uh, prosecutors in that office opposed charging Chauvin's partners. It is interesting that I, well, I, I clarify just a little bit, Tom, the, um, Swayze sued over sexual harassment over some statements made by Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was already a settlement to that case. Mm-hmm. I understand is they paid out to her already, but these court documents, these affidavits have surfaced and have gone public that say exactly what you said that, um, she had made statements regarding the opposition to the charges being filed against Lane, King, and Tao. And there was quite a bit of a debate, and they were overruled. But I will say this, though. Um, I don't think that's not – I don't think that's uncommon, that you would have a debate within a prosecuting office over whether to charge or not to charge. Mm-hmm. I have, so I, how, how strongly these uh, prosecutors objected, I have no clue. But it is being brought up in the proceedings leading up to the trials of the last two defendants, which mm-hmm. is um, it's Tao and King are the last two that are scheduled to go to trial. Is that next week or the week after? It's the week after, I think. So I don't know how it's going to influence that case, but something worth watching, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have about five minutes left in the program, four minutes. What do you want to cover quickly? You mentioned the Sussman 
thing. Do you want to well, save that for a time uh, when we have more time to discuss it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Cover it or go somewhere else? Oh, do you want? Do you want? We do you have time to get through what you wanted to get through with that trial, which was just this week that they uh, the acquittal uh, came through. Representative uh, from Florida, Matt Gates, uh, got information from an FBI whistleblower that is sick of the politicization of the FBI. That the FBI actually had offices uh, in the in the uh, in the Coil Corporation, which is connected to. uh, the legal arm of the DNC and Hillary Clinton and the FBI operated a secure office right out in that building. So that shows how deeply involved they were in the swamp. And so Sussman got uh, acquitted, but Durham isn't uh, isn't through yet. Uh, I don't know why he can't appeal, but but. Um, the 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 dossier, the Mueller investigation, all of that, the details. Uh, he's acquitted, or he's con, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, indicted some other people involved in these machinations, and so he's not through yet. But I don't understand why he can't appeal that obviously biased result of a of a judge that well, had personal connections with some of these people. And one juror, by the way, said, "Well." We didn't think that uh, Sussman should be prosecuted for lying to the FBI because that shouldn't even be a a charge. And the FBI knew the background of it already. So he didn't deceive them, whatever he said, because they knew these things already. That was the mentality of a juror that talked to the press. Well, I mean, from what you're saying there, um, Durham would have grounds for an appeal uh, on the basis of the jury being tainted at that point. But that that's going to be a completely strategic move on his part, because in my view, Tom, I think this whole trial was just to get these items into the record, that this testimony that was given during this trial and some of the information disclosed during this trial as part of a larger strategy, because... Um, I think Sussman was what you'd call low-hanging fruit as far as prosecuting was concerned. and I, But I, I think it was more about arranging the chess pieces on the board before he moves forward. Whether or not he's got enough to move forward with any big yeah. fish, I don't know. I agree with you. Things are coming out from the Durham investigation and getting into the press that are uh, uh, simply astonishing and and Durham isn't through yet, uh, even though he lost this particular case. And uh, uh, and Hillary uh, isn't out of trouble yet uh, uh, with her involvement in these things. So there's more to come. Uh, Durham is is uh, aggressive and persistent. And uh, uh, he was meek uh, to the reporters saying, we thank the jurors for their well, work, but there's more to come. <laughs> well, that's that's what you, you have to say. It. That's how the. That's the decorum of the judicial process is to respect the jury's opinion until you have enough to challenge the jury's opinion, if that's what your plan is. I have no idea. But once again, I'm going to go back to square one on this, Tom. As far as politics is concerned, is this ancient history? Does this matter to the people who are deciding who they're going to vote for in two years or even in November? Will it have an impact on that? And um, I 
I'm, I don't know. I, I'm just throwing out that as a question, but we do have to skedaddle. So uh, mm-hmm. we'll have a longer program next week. How's that? So I don't have to hurry <laughs> along. I appreciate you uh, coming in for the short show, Tom, and uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Always a pleasure, Andrew. Always. Okay, thank you. Tom Ostrom on Rochester Today. Twins Baseball is coming up next on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM.